Good morning, planet Earth. Good morning, planet Earth. Good morning, planet Earth. Good morning, Utah. It's time to wake up. Yes, Utah, it's time to get out of bed. There's alfalfa in the field. It needs to be harvested to feed the cows. This is the Planetary Status Report, and this is your good friend Dan. And as of this recording, the date and time is the following. It is May, I believe, May the 29th. Let's double check because I've been doing lots of cocaine. Just kidding, Utah. Yes, <clears throat> it's May the 29th, 2021. And it's right around 6.30 a.m. Mountain Standard Time here in Utah. I'm just drinking some of that medium roast coffee you can buy. Just medium roast so I don't fry my insides. I'm 51 years old. My body is melting from drumbus and various chemical problems. So I drink medium roast, so I don't go crazy. I don't want to go insane, brothers and sisters, because it is 6.30 a.m. Mountain Standard Time here in the great state of Utah. And it is May the 29th, 2021, Memorial Day weekend. Do you know somebody that died in a war? And I, I don't mean just the soldier, because here's the thing. The soldiers, maybe not the soldiers, because I think even soldiers in our military, they get, um, <clears throat> how can I put this? I think the average soldier, the average sailor, the average airman or marine in the United States military gets bamboozled because I was bamboozled. And 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 here's the thing, like all like all bamboozles to include the great global psyop, the great global mind screw, the monkey herpes, like eight all great cons and grifts. And I've said this and I, and it needs to be understood. You need to have one side of the equation. You need people that want to believe. You need a good audience. Okay, I'm sorry. The idea that a con artist works well in all audiences is just, you know, provably, laughably absurd. Con artists work on certain audiences. It's like phishing scams on the internet. The reason why you send out 20 boblillion emails is because you know that most people probably will look at that email and say, this is a grift, this is a con. Like a lot of soldiers, I was conned. I was told I was fighting to defend a free republic. That's laughable in 2021, brothers and sisters. This, maybe this is an insane asylum. And probably Joseph Biden is, for all practical purposes, as of right now, the mayor of Washington, D.C. But there is no free republic left in this free republic if there ever was. The land of the free and the home of the brave was either A, a fiction, or B, ceased to exist a long, 
long time ago. So if you're sitting down to drink and reminisce about all the great wars and where all those people died, ask yourself a simple question, why? Because if your answer is freedom after 2020, what is wrong with you? This has become a prison camp of absurdity. You have to go to nowhere Utah to find anything like normalcy at this point. What is wrong with you? You're wearing a coffee filter. You're sitting down and talking with your friends. And who knows, maybe you have one of the first vaccination cards. Maybe you have one of those experimental Microsoft certificates. And you're sitting down and you're talking about Grandma Phil or Grandpa Joe or Uncle Emmett or Aunt Marine that fought in the Great War for freedom? What is wrong with you? You're deluded. That's the nicest thing you can, I can say. I don't believe in Hanlon's razor any longer. I never think I really did. So I'm not going to say you're just plain dumb but you're certainly choosing to ignore the basic questions between right and wrong in favor of some jingoist celebration of nothing but the murder of someone you love. People who go in the military get bamboozled, and a lot of Americans get bamboozled by the politicians that convince them the wars are necessary. We're told we have no choice. We have to fight this war. I don't care if it was the Tavistock Institute before, before World War I or the pretty obvious fact at this point that our government did everything it, it could to enable Adolf Hitler. The fact is, none of those wars were good wars. And all of those wars could have been avoided. We never had to side with anyone during World War One, Listen to what I'm saying. I'm not talking about World War II. I know you guys don't get taught correct when it comes to history in public schools, so let's draw a distinction. World War II was between 1939 and 1945, Bo Blimtok. World War One began in 1914, Bo Blimtok. And an armistice that ended combat operations on the Western Front occurred in November of 1918. So World War I lasted about four years. By the second year, every army on the Western Front was about a cigarette smoke away from revolt. By 1917, the French armies would have turned their machine guns on the corrupt, corrupt French politicians, by 1917, the British army would have probably turned its guns on the Queen, and by 1917, the German army was ready to turn its machine guns on the Kaiser. And when we got involved in World War I, we allowed that horrible fiction, that obscenity to creation, to have an outcome that almost pretty much guaranteed World War II. Tell me again about the great hero that died in the Great War. Please, I'm listening. In 1917, if we'd simply not listened to the propaganda, and if we'd simply sat on our hands, the war would have been over by 1918, but Europe might have been free. If we had not gotten involved, the commies might have actually had different outcomes, because the Germans would have still had rifles, and I promise you, they would have taken care of the commies one way or another. In 1917, if we'd simply let the obscenity of World War I lead to a revolution in the affairs of mankind, where people, instead of saying we don't need guns, no, we don't need armies. And man, when you think about the gun debate today, especially that chipmen, shipmen, piece of crap murderer who's running the ATF. We don't need armies. I do think we need sidearms, but we don't need armies. 
That would have been the conclusion of 1917. The people of Europe would have held on to their machine guns, held on to their grenades. They weren't stupid at that point. Not until we helped them win the war. That's what would have happened, brothers and sisters, on Memorial Day weekend, as you think about this, and if you're listening on shortwave, this might not be Memorial Day weekend. This could be a couple weeks from now, okay? If you're listening on shortwave, this is 5950 kilohertz. This is WRMI out of Miami Okeechobee. From the great swamp, the Kaiser will arise. Watch out for the Kaiser. Watch out for the Hun. World War One was a war that never really had to happen, and it was a war we should have never gotten involved in. If we had simply done the right thing, if we had simply been principled people that believed in freedom, we would have looked at that stupid war, we would have seen through the Tavistock Institute Queensley propaganda, and we would have understand that everybody pointing machine guns at each other and murdering each other in mass was stupid. That it was stupid there would be towns in Great Britain where no young men would ever come home. It was stupid that there would be towns in France where no young men would ever come home. Ever. It's not just one Aunt Marine or one Uncle Emmett, brothers and sisters. By the time we got involved in World War I, millions of young men were already dead. And we helped to guarantee that millions more would die. Not just before the end of World War I, not just as a result of the embargo of Germany to starve the bad Hun for World War I, not just because of the obscenity of Hitler and Nazism that would come, in part as a result of how we ended World War I. No, it was all the above. Tell me again about Memorial Day weekend. Tell me again about the great heroes of the Great Wars. Tell me. Tell me about the Korean War, where our own government telegraphed to the communists, well, we don't really care about South Korea. Boy, doesn't that remind you of the Bush administration before Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait? You need to think on this, brothers and sisters. Sometimes we just sort of punch people in the stomach and trick them into war. Did you know that we embargoed Japan prior to World War II, more or less making it impossible for them to run a modern economy unless they invaded a few, you know, Dutch East Indies states and places where there's oil and rubber? Did you know that? Did you know we did that prior to World War II? I don't think people understand their history. And as far as Vietnam goes, there is no angle under which you can interpret Vietnam as anything other than crap, okay? Period. And it was never about communism. Believe me, the Chinese communists who tried to invade Vietnam in the 70s learned that pretty fast, Mr. and Mrs. Dummy Neocon. Yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Dummy Neocon. We need to have armies to blow people up. You know, the only people I want to blow up are the Neocons. I'd like to put them on an island someplace. I'll call it Hunting Knife Island. It'll be a reality TV show. Every Neocon gets to go to Hunting Knife Island. There's not a lot of water, not a lot of food, but everybody gets a hunting knife. And yeah, we have an army, but all the machine guns are pointed into the island, so you can't get off, neocon. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the neocons, because they kind of suckered me too back in the 90s. I got fed a lot of shit, and like a mushroom I grew, but I gotta say, people... I believed a lot of nonsense in my 20s. I got suckered into nonsense. I put on the uniform, but I did not die. So clearly, you know, in combat. So clearly, Memorial Day weekend is not about people like me. And I'm okay with that because I'm kind of happy to be alive. And I'm kind of okay that I was never in combat. 
because whether I'd been whether I would have been a good officer or a bad one, that's critical. But the next question is, who the who the heck do I actually want to go kill at this point? Who do you want to go kill? I know you guys watch your CNN and your Fox News and they tell you that you got to go kill white people or you got to go kill brown people. But please ask the following question. Who, what group of people, what person do you really want to kill at this point? I mean, I'll be honest. There's a couple people I got on a list, but these are not ordinary people. These are people like Bill Gates. If I was, you know, a stone's throw from Bill Gates, I might pick up a stone. If I was, you know, a grenade toss away from George Soros, you know, I might just pull that pin, Georgie boy. But the point is, there there are a few people I wish were dead. I'll be honest about it. Jesus knows my heart. Jesus knows that there are these people that if I laid out a curse, I wish were dead. But I'll tell you what, brothers and sisters, I do my own research and I feel confident about my list. These are people that are dead. Even if they're not physically dead, yet, because I kind of think the mayor of Washington, D.C. is not going to save them, uh, you know, or or the mayor of England, the, the Queensley mayor, or any of the mayors who think they run countries at this point, but really what they are is they're sitting on top of a big boiling pot. Not going to save you. But here's what's more important. The physical life ends, brothers and sisters. Read the book of Ecclesiastes. The physical life is a wonderful life, and Jesus gave us a great gift, but it comes to an end, brothers and sisters. It's an ice cream cone. And when the physical life ends, the rest of your life, your whole life, is your spiritual life. And people like George Soros and Bill Gates and others, and I, I say this definitively, they're going straight to hell. Or there is no God. Those are the two basic, that's the basic sort of the, the dilemma or the basic set of choices there. I don't see a third option. There either is no God or they are going straight to hell. Bill Gates is going straight to hell. And hell could be what some Protestants believe, which is simply non-existence. So Bill Gates, when he dies, will truly die. He will simply cease to exist. That is one version of hell for some Protestants. For some Protestants, they are okay with the Catholic version, where hell is a place, you know, stolen from the pagans, where you got burning pit and you poke people with sticks. That too also could be hell. I am not God, thankfully. Yeah, I, I ranted about this because I needed to get it out. Um, World War I could have changed history in a powerfully critical, serious way if we believed in freedom. If we had simply let World War I implode, probably Soviet communism would have imploded too, A. And B, if we had simply allowed World War I to implode, I think most of those Frenchmen and most of those young Germans and most of those young Italians and Brits and everybody else who were fighting on the Western Front, and I would even say a lot of Russians and Germans on the Eastern Front, although by 1917 that was winding down. If we'd simply allowed World War I to implode, I believe that they would have chosen freedom. I think the Queen would have been dead. I think the Scots and the Brits would have said, you know what, we may not all get along, but heck, we do hate the Queen. And I think a lot of upper-class Brits and upper-class Germans who sponsored the war would have ended up dead. But I think that's classified as justice, brothers and sisters. And justice always arrives or there is no God. You see, those are your choices at this point. You can be an atheist and think all of this is meaningless, and so World War I doesn't matter, whatever. But guess what, atheist? Your Memorial Day doesn't matter either in that world. Your Aunt Marine, or your Uncle Joe, or your cousin Philip, you know, cousin Philip, or your cousin, you know, Anna, or whatever, who went off to fight in the war and died, 
If you're an atheist, that means nothing also. This is what I, and frankly, if you're a Satanist, it means even less than nothing. So if you're a Satanist or an atheist, and I'm offending you right now because I, you know, I think you got some problems you got to work through, I don't care because why would you care? You claim an ethos that denies the value of caring. Are you confused? Are you confused about who you serve? I serve the Lord Jesus Christ and of the many things the Lord talks about, caring is important, not BS communism, but actual kindness, huh. which is a lot rarer than you realize right now, Bo Blimtock. And when those food pellet machines shut down, and they will. When those food pellet machines shut down, you will find out the truth. And all of your regaling of the stories of your dead uncles and dead aunts and dead grandpas and dead parents who died in those important wars that brought us freedom. Because clearly, the coffee filter symbolizes freedom. You know what? You go ahead and you have your delusional little conversations this weekend. You do what you need to do. Um, I have my own truths. I have my own experiences. You have yours. If you want to pretend that Memorial Day is anything other than an insult to people that were murdered by their government and also, in many cases, simply forced to murder others. You pretend however you want to, brothers and sisters. You can pretend that you have dancing nurses during a plague. You have all the pretend land you want to. Put on a couple coffee filters, go out and grab yourself a six-pack, do the kabuki theater, make sure you have your vaccine card, and then have your conversation about the great wars for freedom. Next topic... Next topic. So I have in podcasts since 2018 talked about something called the clathrate gun. Sometimes it's called the methane bomb. And and we'll talk about that, okay? We're going to talk about it again, but I'm going to give you not just an escape hatch, but I'm going to give you a perspective, one that's going to make it, I think, easier to deal with. In 2018... There were pretty bad fires up and down the West Coast. And in 2019 and 2020 weren't, really weren't that much better. But in 2018, the wildfires were really bad. And July and August of 2018, the skies in Seattle were orange and brown and disgusting. And you could barely breathe. And you can say, oh, but Dan, we had wild... Listen... If you don't know the difference between a wildfire and a firestorm, see the previous rant. Good luck in the near future. I mean it, though. If you don't know the difference between a wildfire and a firestorm, wildfires happen all the time. Firestorms, historically, are very, very rare. Okay, A firestorm is like a fire weather system. And as long as it has fuel that it can burn, and because it burns at incredibly high temperatures, almost everything in your life is fuel for a firestorm. Um, yeah, as long as it is a firestorm and as long as there's fuel, it simply gets bigger and stronger. If a firestorm started in a California forest and then made its way to San Francisco or Oakland by some horrible accident, and who knows how that would happen? If a firestorm made it to a major modern city, most of the people in that city would be dead in 30 minutes. Sure, the firestorm would probably be done in about an hour, maybe 30 minutes too, but the thing is, in those 30 minutes half the city would probably be dead. And not even really from being burned as much as having nothing to breathe. So in 2018, we had a lot of firestorms up and down the West Coast. 
And I don't want to have a discussion about who's right and who's wrong. Some people believe it's a deep state cabal firing lasers. Dane Wigington will tell you that the use of nanoscale aluminum has not just dried out the forest, but has turned a lot of the trees, for lack of better description, into thermite candles. And if you don't know what thermite is, thermite use, uses particleized metals like iron or aluminum and takes advantage of their rapid reaction with oxygen. So if you mix aluminum, especially if you mix aluminum or iron with phosphorus, you get some magical results. Whatever the truth is, we had firestorms. And firestorms are not normal wildfires. But I am not going to spend an hour trying to explain that to people. If you don't know the difference, you're going to find out soon in a lot of places. Yeah, so I've talked about the methane bomb. And here's the thing. Before we get into this, I'd like to quote Dr. Freckles. Here's a Dr. Freckles quote, philosophical and all that. Freckles hairbrush colon. Freckles hairbrush is like Hanlon's razor. This is Freckles hairbrush. Okay? Freckles hairbrush colon. And this is a good rule of thumb, I think. The bigger the lie, the worse the truth. And if you're listening on shortwave, this is 5950 kilohertz. WRMI out of Miami, Okeechobee. It's either Saturday or Sunday night, <laughs> you know, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you want to contact me, you can contact me at imsully.com. And of course, the show notes for this particular show can be found at dfgtc.org slash show notes. That's Delta Foxtrot Golf Tango Charlie.org dot show notes. I mean, slash slash show notes. And if you pick the right date and you pick the right show notes, well, you'll have the right notes, right? You will, right? Freckles hairbrush. The bigger the lie, the worse the truth. The Arctic methane bomb refers to the fact that in the Arctic Circle, depending upon which papers you read, written by which quote-unquote authoritative scientists, there is between half a trillion and maybe up to two trillion tons of what's called hydrate or sometimes called clathrate, but it's basically frozen methane. Frozen methane that exists in a kind of stable state as frozen, as long as the temperature stays consistent, as long as the pressure stays consistent. So, for example, in the, in the Laptev Sea, or the Eastern Siberian Arctic Shelf, you have a lot of frozen methane. And I have a link to a paper by Dr. Shakova. You can go to the link by going to the notes, and you can read it if you want to. I read it on the bus, I think in the summer of 2019. I read it on the bus going to and from work. You can read it if you want to. So in the Arctic Circle, you have a lot of frozen methane. And the, the question is, can it rapidly release without being consumed by bacteria? Because there are bacteria that eat methane and produce CO2 um, without being you know broken down in the atmosphere. Because even though methane over 10 years is about a hundred times, maybe even higher, a greenhouse gas than CO2, it breaks down faster than CO2. It breaks down, ultimately it breaks down into things um, including CO2. So in some sense, even if it breaks down, you're still, if you believe that CO2 is a greenhouse gas, then you still have problems, but that's another topic. So there's all this frozen methane in the Arctic Sea, and up until recently, the Arctic was mostly covered year-round, pretty much, by a giant frozen ice cap. It really was. When I was a kid, that's how the Arctic was described. Nobody ever said, one day we'll be crisscrossing the Arctic and cruise ships. Nobody. That, not when I was a kid. In fact, when I was a kid, they talked about a new ice age. That was the propaganda in the 70s. Again, I used the word propaganda. Because you really need to read between the, the, the tea leaves, brothers and sisters. When you see a little Greta Thunberg complaining about the weather, understand that she is a fool. When you see Al Gore complaining about the weather, understand that Al Gore is a fool. Never in history did kings hire fools to make funny things funnier. 
Kings hire fools to make serious things look stupid. So sorry for breaking your understanding of propaganda. That doesn't prove anything. But what it does show, if you're going to throw Greta Thunberg at me, I'm simply going to toss the hand grenade called history back at you. So please meditate on, on the Greta Thunberg example. She's a fool. Everybody sees her as a fool. Even the people that agree with her think she's a fool. And, and in their head is the question mark, maybe the whole global warming thing is stupid too. That is the propaganda meaning of little munchkin autist Greta Thunberg. That is the propaganda meaning of Al Gore. So there's all this frozen methane. Now, if it slowly releases over time, no problem, probably. The thing that Shakova worries about and other people worry about is a rapid release event. Because here's the problem. You've got trillions of tons of methane in the Arctic Circle. Last year, the Arctic ice barely formed. We ha now have wildfires, and these are wildfires, not firestorms, because I don't think there's enough fuel. No, not until the methane really starts cooking off. But we have wildfires that are burning around the Arctic Circle basically year-round now. I'm sorry, growing up, that wasn't really a thing. And if they tell you it was a thing, they're lying. Okay, growing up, the permafrost, you need to listen to what I'm saying here because a lot of you guys don't even know what words mean any longer. Permafrost means permanently frozen. Are you confused? Permafrost means permanently frozen. It doesn't mean sometimes frozen. It doesn't mean in June and July it turns to total slush and little Inuit villages sink into the sea. That's not what permafrost means. From the news, and I say the news sarcastically, there are stories of methane blowouts all around Siberia. So if the clathrate methane gun is real, it looks like the trigger's been pulled. It's a positive feedback. Let me keep this simple. Every time you have a massive release of methane, Shakova talks about a 50 gigaton burst. That 50 gigaton burst that could happen over a few days, a few weeks, will, in the next month, raise the entire planet's temperature by one degree Celsius, because that 50 gigaton burst of methane basically more than doubled the load of greenhouse gases if you take everything people produce. And that little burst of methane, depending upon who you believe, is less than one half of 1% that's readily available in the Arctic. And that doesn't include the methane around every coastline on every continental shelf on planet Earth. You listening? And every time you have one of these farts, for lack of a better description, the likelihood of a bigger fart, a bigger methane release goes up. And if you've never researched the Bermuda Triangle, you should. There's reason to believe that the explanation for the missing planes and the missing ships and even the hallucinations could be rapid methane releases uh, in the Bermuda Triangle because you have undersea earthquakes. Again, this, this frozen methane at depth is kind of what's called superstable or metastable. As long as the pressure and temperature remain the same, you're fine. But even a, a vibration can shake the champagne bottle. And there's folks that believe that one explanation for the Bermuda Triangle events is that periodically you get massive methane releases. And if you're a ship, going over a boiling sea of methane, you will sink to the bottom. If you're an aircraft flying through a column of methane, you'll experience problems, but you'll also drop because the density will change. So yeah, um, a methane plume is really bad. And so yes, if the Arctic methane bomb is real, at some point you get into what's called uncontrolled positive feedback. And that means that rapidly, over a period of a few months, the Earth's temperature increases and the number of these methane event, events increase. It also means it's not a slow process. So if someone says it'll take 100 years, well, they're lying. They don't really understand nonlinear behaviors in nature. They're very, very confused about nature. Nature's not linear. Nature's not stepwise. Nature tends to be catastrophic, discontinuous, and nonlinear.
So if you think you're going to have a linear, stepwise staircase, stair, you know, stairway to heaven, listening to Led Zeppelin as as little farts slowly fart, like imagine Mother Earth is just a really polite woman who doesn't want you to hear her farts, maybe. But that's probably not how this would unfold. This would be more like the guy that drinks a lot and eats a lot of sausages and doesn't care who smells his farts, or a lot like my little friend Beans. You know? Little Beans in Washington State. Is he still alive? That would be great. I can imagine an eagle coming for you, Beans. Those eagles are getting hungry. And you scream, and you whine, and you scream, and you whine. And the eagles are getting gaunt, and you can see their bones. And they look at you, little Frenchy beans, and they say, I need to feed my kids. I love my little chicklets. I'm going to grab that dog and give them Christmas dinner. Beans still alive? Is he out there? topic there a bit. Sorry about that. Yeah, so the clathrate gun, the methane bomb, is a rapid event. It doesn't take a century. It's going to happen fast, if it's a real thing. I am emphasizing this point. I am saying to you that if it's a real thing, it could also be a PSYOP. I've, n I've not been to Alaska in years. I can tell you the last time I was in Alaska, just like the previous two times, I asked people questions. How are things going? What's that stuff like, you know? And for example, on our honeymoon, the one of the guides told us, well, you know, we got, because I was looking at the trees and the trees looked really sad and sick. And they said, well, yeah, we got a beetle problem. And, and this is the thing. This is what people say. We have a problem with beetles. What they don't know is the beetles come in. The beetles are the wrecking ball. For those guys out there or girls who say, oh, it's a beetles. No, 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 folks. The beetles are a wrecking ball. The beetles show up in your forest after the trees are either dead or almost dead in that Princess Bride sense. Yeah, so 2005, it was the beetles. And previously, I'd been there in 1993. And I gotta say, Alaska was so beautiful and so amazing. And fishing there was so awesome in 1993. I haven't heard similar stories since, but maybe it's still okay. Again, it could be propaganda, okay? The pictures of these blowout pingos in Siberia where methane built up so much that it just blew explosively into space. The pictures of the pingos at the bottom of the Arctic Sea where methane is blowing out. The pictures of the boiling seas in the Arctic of methane boiling up. This could all be BS. This could be propaganda. When the U.S. government says that the Arctic Ocean is now open for business, they could be lying. It could be still super thick with permanent ice. And when they tell us stories about the permafrost not just melting but catching fire, well, that could be a lie too, right? Maybe the Inuit villages aren't sinking. Or maybe permafrost doesn't mean permanently frozen. When I was a kid, people would tell me that folks in Minnesota would dig down 10 feet, and they would have more or less a year-round um, icebox. In fact, if you dug down 10 feet, and you built yourself a root cellar, and then you added ice periodically, you had yourself a little freezer if you lived in Minnesota. I don't think that's true anymore, brothers and sisters, Boplimtok. And oh, and oh, but Dan, what about that freak snowstorm in Toronto or Quebec or Montreal the other day? Uh, you know, if you don't know what chemical ice nucleation is, 
Get yourself a cold pack from, from a first aid kit. You know those cold packs where you break them and suddenly they freeze? And then think on that as you shove that cold pack up your butt. If you don't know what chemicalized nucleation is, I can't help you. But I would suggest you go to geoengineeringwatch.org. Dane Wigington has a great stuff on the entire topic of things like chemicalized nucleation, like solar radiation management. I don't know him personally, but he seems legit. So go to his site and you can learn all you want to, okay? So please tell me about the weird snowstorm in Quebec or Montreal or Toronto as Manitoba and Saskatchewan are catching fire. In fact, the fires never went out and the permafrost ain't so perma. Tell me about your freak snowstorm when it's basically 90 degrees in Moscow, Russia. Please tell me your fantasy. But don't eat the snow, dummy. Don't eat the snow. That snow's not what you think. It contains chemicals that will turn your pee-pee pink. Don't eat the snow. So, but here's the thing, though. You now know what the methane bomb is. And here's the other thing. I've at least, if this is crazy, if this is crazy psyop crap like most of your monkey herpes crazy, here's the good news for Uncle Dan. I boxed myself into October 2021, Bo Blimptock. I don't have a vision of wearing coffee filters for the rest of my life. I haven't given in and given up to the monkey herpes for your vaccine cards to fight for freedom like a lot of you, I don't know what to call you guys. I haven't done that. But yeah, for my own crazy, at least I boxed it in. At least I applied some logic. At least I'm willing to say it could be crap. I'm certain there's some type of COVID. Really? I'm certain you just added a little bit to somebody's meter that's going to lead them to kill themselves, jerk. You know... I don't like the COVID freaks who believe it's real and wear the mask in the desert, but the people I dislike even more are the people who say it's kind of real, Dan. There must have been something. You guys are holding on to your Stockholm Syndrome, and you are slitting your own throat with Hanlon's razor. I'm sorry. It wasn't a big mistake. There was never a COVID. And if you're taking the vaccination, it's either placebo or poison. Welcome to the casino. So yeah, the methane bomb could be crap, but it makes a great movie. It does. It makes a great movie. This is the thing about the Arctic methane bomb. As narratives go, it makes a great Act 3. And if Act 3 is also when... Okay, wait for it. If Act 3 is also when... Act 3 is when... A starship shows up from Sector 12 of the Herpes Galaxy. Yeah, Act 3. The methane bomb, if it is crap, it, it kind of fits. And it doesn't have to be total crap. It could be half true. Like the worst case scenario for Dane Wigington, if you ask him about the methane bomb, is Venus Syndrome. And Venus Syndrome means that, well, one, if it is the methane bomb, I think we're going to know this summer because it is a rapid process. And two, um, if by October, November, it doesn't happen, I'm throwing this thing away into the PSYOP bucket. But finally, if it does start happening, according to Dane Wigington, it'll happen so fast and, and temperatures will go up so quickly that we will simply be dead. Pretty much everybody will be dead in about a year or two. If it is the clathrate gun, the methane bomb. If it is. Another thing too... Sometime this summer, if it's real, if it's not just crap, 
you're probably going to get your first big releases that they won't be able to hide. I think there have been releases. Like I was hearing weird explosions last summer, weird explosions, weird earthquake vibrations, and it seemed like the kind of thing you'd get if methane was spontaneously converting uh, in the Puget Sound and on off the West Coast from being frozen to a gas. And if it happens to be in the cracks of the continental shelf or in some cave someplace, you're going to have impacts on geology. That's another thing, too, about the methane bomb. If you have frozen methane at depth, and instead of being in silt or kind of, you know, sandy materials or clay, it's it's actually in the crust a little, then that methane bomb can cause a geological event. You could get an earthquake. You could even get a volcano erupting, and they'll tell you the volcano is going to cause the methane bomb. But what if they're lying? So again, folks, I don't know the real truth about this, but if it is real, sometime this summer, the seas will boil. And yes, boiling seas is in prophecy. Another thing too, even though prophecy talks about events so that they could be a CME, if it was a super CME, you would not live long enough to see the, the, the waters boil. And prophecy is generally about things that you see and hear and feel. So the thing about the CME, the super CME, you would simply be dead. The the particle, the the... The cascade of particles, the cascade of radiation, would pretty much instantly kill you with a super CME. You'd just be dead. You would not have time to think about the boiling seas. With the methane bomb, the seas will boil for a while before people start, you know, dying in large numbers. Um, and so you could go down the methane bomb road without going to Venus Syndrome, and it would scare people so much that nobody would think they would be left alive. Matthew 24, 22. Go to Matthew 24, 22. That is a thing where they use the word days. Days, plural. If it is a super CME, it's over probably in a day for everybody as the earth rotates. There won't be more than one day, certainly. It'll be like a day. It's over. Super CME is almost as bad as a gamma ray burst. It's pretty much over. You're done. You're toasted. You just got a giant chunk of the sun hit the earth. You're done. Like a trillion nuclear bombs, you're done. Okay? But in Matthew 24, 22, it talks about days plural. Now, it does say if those days were not cut short, which implies it is days plural, but it's probably not months and years, brothers and sisters. So imagine Act 3 is the methane bomb, but understand it is happening in the context of God's plan. And I know that sounds crazy, but I'm just trying to explore a thought with you. Because I believe in God. If I were an atheist, I would simply say it looks like the methane bomb and we're probably screwed. That's what I would tell you. I would say it looks like the methane bomb. It has nothing to do with your cheeseburgers or your milkshakes. If we had had an earthquake or a volcanic eruption near the Laptev Sea, the same thing probably would have happened, okay? You would have had the same thing happen. So if you want to, like, go get depressed about cheeseburgers, that's your problem. It's not about your cheeseburger. If it's the methane bomb, that first 50 gigaton burst will equal all the cheeseburgers ever eaten and then some. That's the reality. All the discussion about the cows and the cheeseburgers is a smokescreen. If it is the methane bomb, that's why you got little Greta Thunberg and Al Gore going around being idiots. Because people, people need to believe that everything's going to be okay. People need to believe you can have 90 degrees in Moscow and magical snowstorms in Toronto where a couple hundred miles away the Arctic Circle's on fire. People need to believe nonsense right now. So you give them Greta Thunberg and you give them Al Gore, you give them paid fools and they can come to foolish conclusions. Freedom did not cause this. Let's just get that out of the way. If this is a thing, if it was caused by something, it wasn't liberty. Keynesian crap? might have caused this, 
but free economies do not choose Keynesian communism. That crap gets shoved on us. When they tell you you got to have infinite growth, infinite growth, infinite growth, nothing in free enterprise says you have to have infinite growth or infinite inflation. In fact, the history of free enterprise tends to do the opposite. You tend to get deflation. Things over time cost less, not more. This Keynesian, crooked, debt-driven economy convinced billions of people to eat 10,000 years worth of lunches, lunches in 100 years. So if you're going to point a finger at something, don't point it at freedom. Point it at John Maynard Keynes. Point it at the communist who convinced you that burning debt away forever was a great way to run the world. That dumping everything in the garbage pits and pretending someone else will clean it up is a great way to run the world. These are the Keynesian communists that convinced you of that. They are liars. If you want to blame something, use your logic engine. But here's the thing. This could simply be prophecy. It could simply be what was supposed to happen. I don't know. I know we're being lied to. Okay? I know that at this point in the game, if something doesn't change, a lot of people are going to start just dropping dead from adrenal fatigue if they're not already. And that's coming. I'm sorry, brothers and sisters. You cannot build on this insane asylum they delivered to us in 2020. There is no building on a world of wrecking balls. There just isn't. It's all just wreckage. Psychological wreckage, physical wreckage. And you could say, well, Dan, I'm on the bell curve. I'm really healthy. I eat my vegetables. I get my sleep. Okay. But you're going to be lonely. Because a lot of people are burnt out and dying. So congratulations, I'm clapping my hands, that you're going to be the king or the queen of the cemetery. Hooray for you. I applaud you. In the story that I'm describing, and again, this is not prophecy. I am not a prophet. I am a Christian. I don't think I'm a very good one. So I'm not a prophet, and I'm not a great Christian. I'm just a dude named Dan. I'm a burned-out computer programmer living in a basement room in Utah. That is who I am right now. If you don't understand that, then you've constructed something in your head that doesn't exist. At this point in the story... When the seas are boiling and all the sea life is dying and the seas are turning red in part from dead things, in part from little creatures, maybe algae spawn, maybe red tide, who knows. But the seas are turning red and they are boiling. And then NORAD's deep space radar. We're picking up on deep space radar. Deep Space Radar has detected Outer Space Jesus. Deep Space Radar has detected the Starship Olestra. At this point in the story, we're going to be told that a starship has arrived. Because, again, all this disclosure nonsense, which again, disclosure. Think about disclosure as the satanic Bible version of the book of Revelation. Think about the disclosure narrative and the ancient aliens and all that crap as a kind of anti-text 
to the book of Revelation. They're going to roll out the disclosure, which is they're doing right now, brothers and sisters. They're going to use their blue beam technology and they're probably going to use whatever Nazi crap they developed. Thank you, Joseph Farrell. And ultimately, spaceship Jesus, spaceship Jesus, not actual Jesus. Let's just call him AKA the Antichrist. Starship Jesus will enter orbit sometime in July or August. Wouldn't it be funny if it was July the 4th so that, yeah, Jeff Goldblum could get to play that role again? Independence Day. But I think it's going to be Tom Hanks. I think Tom Hanks will be the official Earth greeter to Spaceship Jesus, and Spaceship Jesus will help us with the methane bomb, and Spaceship Jesus will help us with the make-believe COVID and the race war that doesn't exist. Spaceship Jesus will come before the people and say, look at me, look at the glory. Spaceship Jesus will tell you God is the devil. Spaceship Jesus will say, God telling you, you can't do this and can't do that is wrong. At the same time, Spaceship Jesus will say, maybe people shouldn't be allowed to eat if they don't have a vaccine card. Spaceship Jesus is the great serpent. Spaceship Jesus has a forked tongue. Starship Spaceship Jesus is going to show up in the nick of time Matthew 24, 22, he will show up in the nick of time and he'll say, I can fix the boiling seas and I can fix the make-believe monkey herpes and I can fix the race war. My name is Starship Jesus, the, the son of Satan. But he will. He'll admit to that too. He'll say he's the son of Lucifer, but Lucifer isn't an angel. Lucifer is the ancient alien that allowed us to exist. Lucifer gave us our genetic material. Lucifer, yeah. Starship Jesus is going to feed us a lot of crap. And since a lot of people now are primed to listen to crap and treat it like truth, <laughs> it does seem like prophecy will be fulfilled. Some people believe in the rapture, okay? I have a good friend, a really good Christian um I'm not going to name his name because I don't think that's appropriate in this context. I have this really good friend who's a really good Christian. I have a lot of good friends who are Christians, but this one in particular believes in the rapture. I don't know if I do. I think there are good arguments for it. I think there are good arguments against it. But if Starship Jesus is coming soon, if the seas are about to boil with methane in a way that you won't be able to ignore Bo Blimpdock, that means the rapture could be weeks away. Maybe days away. Or maybe the rapture isn't necessarily what we think it is. And that doesn't mean that the Bible's a lie. It just means that people have different opinions that are not salvation critical about the Bible. Some things are salvation critical, I believe. Like, for example, did Jesus die on the cross? I believe that's salvation critical. If you're one of these New Age Protestants who deconstructs the meaning of everything beyond that, and well, firstly, you're wrong. Secondly, Starship Jesus loves you. Because Starship Jesus will tell you that actual Jesus was an evil alien. Starship Jesus will tell you that actual Jesus was sent here to enslave us. The Antichrist will tell you lies and a lot of people will believe it. That's the reality too. That's something that we kind of have to get used to. The hour's almost up, folks. And if you've been listening, you've been listening on 5950 kilohertz, WRMI, out of Miami, Okeechobee. It could be Saturday or Sunday night, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the next day, 3 a.m. UTC, according to the Queen. And if you want the notes for this podcast broadcast, you can go to dfgtc.org slash show notes. But yeah, we're almost at the end of the hour, brothers and sisters. And as we meditate upon the Arctic methane bomb and World War I and Spaceship Jesus, I believe the Starship Olestra is entering. Well, I think that this PSYOP is running so old, I think they're still waiting. And that too is part of the game, I think. I think that these smart people who serve Lucifer got their timing off a bit. And that's okay. Because that just means that God's plan is unfolding as God's plan should. But 
Starship Jesus is probably entering the solar system right now. He just passed Pluto. No, Pluto's not a planet. It's a Kuiper Belt object. Thank you, Neil DeAst Tyson. Starship Jesus is, is passing Jupiter now. Starship Jesus is going to pass Mars soon. Starship Jesus has landed on the moon. Get ready for the future.